Welcome to Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share their great ideas in our guest blog, found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Patricia Muir, an executive coach and podcast host who works with women interested in honing their skills in EQ. And we're going to discuss the executive encore and the traits she has found in women finding fulfillment after 60. And Patricia joins us from Mississauga, Ontario. Welcome. Hello, Trish. You know, I must admit, I did get some questions from our viewing and listening audience. And the question I think that was is on everyone's mind is how did you find transitioning from a corporate leader to a business owner? You mentioned that in your story. And I think, you know, we've all heard the stats that, you know, in the next few years, there's going to be lots of folks who are sort of looking for a side hustle or maybe taking their side hustle to a full-time gig. So how did you find the transition from corporate leader to business owner? Uh, well, it was something that I sort of had in the back of my mind that I dreamed of, but um, actually I, I was in my early 40s and I worked for a corporation that was one of the, if you want to uh, talk about toxic corporations, it was very toxic. Mm -hmm. And I worked for them for a year. And uh, we all talked about what it felt like to be working for this organization. It was well respected, but um, how we were all treated, and it almost put us in a situation where we thought we could not leave. In fact, the president would tell us that, uh, you know, you think you're going to get a job somewhere else? I, it, it was just horrible the way we were spoken to. And so uh, whether I was fortunate or unfortunate, one day um, I was called into the office and um, I was told I wasn't needed anymore. <laughs> so, and interestingly enough, when I told my parents, they said, thank goodness. Like it was a shock at first because I'd never right. been terminated from a job before. Right. And so you do start asking questions like, what, what went wrong? Like, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And after a while, I thought, this is an opportunity for me to do what I want to do. I have the skills. I built skills over my corporate life. And I decided I was going to use those and work for myself. And it was a good opportunity for a couple of reasons. Um, my background is in quality. And at that time, uh, there was a buzz around a, a quality standard in southwestern Ontario. And I just created my niche on that. And I never looked back. Good for you. Now, you obviously believe in lifelong learning because I know that you're an EQ certified coach. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like you, I'm also certified um, with emotional intelligence. And how, to give us a little bit of an indication because when you're working with clients who are sort of looking to up their game, right? So they're clearly interested in making some sort of changes or adaptations to their own work environment or to their own work skills. So what are some of the things that you find that are really helpful when you're looking at the EQ report and getting folks, say, who are in their prime of their career and giving mm -hmm. them some tips on how to hone their skills? Mm -hmm. Well, the um, MHS, Multi-Health Systems, has an assessment that I use. Mm -hmm. And that assessment gives a very thorough uh, report on individual emotional intelligence where uh, a person is strong and where a person has some weaknesses. Now, I always believe that um, it changes with our life. And that's what I love True. about emotional intelligence. That's so it's true. Not, 
it's not personality. It's something that if we work on and consciously work on something, we can change that. And if we have emotional intelligence, all the composites um, in balance, rather than one being better than the other, then uh, we find coping with life uh, is a lot easier. That frees up our energy to do the things that we really want to do. So when I look at the report, and there's the individual report, and there's also the leadership report, and many of the women that I work with want the leadership report because mm -hmm. it's very intensive. Like it, uh, it has so much information about how is this, this particular composite. So let's take your self-regard. If your self-regard is suffering for some particular reason uh, during a, a particular time, like you're being bombarded with a lot of things that give you some self self-doubt mm -hmm. and the last couple of years we all know sure. <laughs> many of us went through cycles of are we doing the right thing right right so looking at self-regard and looking at how you can improve that for yourself and the report and the book that i use um, alongside of that uh, provides a lot of information on how this affects your life mm -hmm. and how this also affects your workplace. And so uh, when I'm working with women, they, they decide which ones they want to work on. Um, and we try to get them to a balance through coaching and through certain exercises that are um, that they can go through um, to be consistent in working on their emotional intelligence rather than just reading the report and say, oh, yeah, okay, I know I'm low there or I know I'm high right. there. And then continue to do the, same, do the same old, same old. <laughs> so, yes, the women I work with really do uh, get deep into it. And the coaching is around uh, what they want to work on. And occasionally as a coach, I'll say, okay, well, what about this area? You know, have you thought yeah. about how this is actually affecting your other areas? Right. And so it becomes um, a very conscious effort towards making change right. and opening up the energy so that you can bring in some of the things into your life that you want to, especially as we are looking for fulfillment in our 50s and our 60s and our 70s and 80s. Right. And, you know, I love that you've started your podcast. Um, give our viewing and listening audience a little bit about, about the behind the scenes to that, because you try to interview women who are finding fulfillment in their 60s, 70s and 80s. So what are the types of um, personality traits or what are the types of things that you're finding that folks are doing? Uh, what types of fulfillment? Um, some of them actually are coming out of corporate and either wanting to build a business based on the skills that they've built mm -hmm. uh, through corporate life or they want something very different. And I think, uh, Trish, you probably come across this. When women are talking about leadership now or even running businesses, they say, I want to do it completely different than what mm -hmm. I've experienced. Yeah. That quite often means um, we've heard a lot about empathy over the last couple of years. So they want to be empathetic leaders. Mm -hmm. They want to know what that looks like. Um, it's not about sympathy. It's about empathy. So there's some learning there. Mm -hmm. But the other traits that I see in women is that uh, uh, at that particular time, there is doubt, like, uh, you know, because we are being, we are being exposed to ageism as well. Mm -hmm. So the concern that I talk about quite often with my colleagues in the same area, and with women is about not internalizing the messages 
that you're reading on LinkedIn or you're reading in other publications about how ageism is going to stop us in our tracks. Right. We want to have built some characteristics and behaviors so that we can't, they don't become a distraction right. and that we can move on with the things that we want to do. And of course, optimism is a big, important part of it, right? For sure. Do you find that resilience is something that, you know, when you've had a, a lifelong career and you've made, had some successes along the way, and you may or may not have pivoted throughout that career into different various areas within one organization or other organizations, do you find that resilience is one of the qualities that when you get to that certain age and stage in life that you kind of say, yeah, okay. In my thirties and forties, that would have knocked me on my knees, but I've been, I've been around a little bit longer now and I'm a little more resilient. Interesting that you use that term uh, because uh, we're starting to see like as a, a group of women that um, resilience is, is also something that we internalize and the need for resilience. Mm -hmm sort of comes natural to us. Yes, mm -hmm. we can get knocked off our feet yeah. uh, easier sometimes than other times. So it's about putting the energy into the things that are going to uh, be a positive movement forward rather than dwelling on things like resilience. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to say there's times when resilience, you do need to tap into your resilience sure. with everything else that you've got in your in your life. Mm -hmm. And that is when you have a derailer, uh, such as um, a critical illness while you're working, or a loss, uh, a loss in your family. That's that's when we do pull all those things together that we um, put under that heading of resi building resilience. Right. And uh, so it is an important word, but um, I like to sort of use the other side as well and put our energy into the positive moving forward rather than saying, okay, even saying I'm strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, or I'm a, I'm a superwoman or something like that. These are things that we've been taught over many years of our careers that this is what's going to, mm -hmm. to help us or save to survive us. Survive. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's, it's, I think at this time of our life, we start to look at some of these things we've been told and said, okay, that was a, uh, a bill of sale right <laughs> next <laughs> or um that was something that yeah worked then but it doesn't exactly work now right and so I have different ways of looking at things now in yeah, my life sure. and so what I find other women are doing if they're sort of stuck especially if they're they haven't started looking at fulfillment in their 40s and 50s and they hit this time in life when oh okay now I do have to start looking at it or oh now I'm just going to retreat and do nothing. Um, they're better prepared if they start thinking about fulfillment and what that means to them right. in their 50s and 60s. You know, you made a very good point because I know that you had uh, a life-changing experience in your own career. And mm -hmm. I'm sure it tipped the scales for yourself. Perhaps you can share with our viewing and listening audience as a cancer survivor. I mean, that sort of really gives you an opportunity to sit back and take notice, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how did that affect you and your career moving forward? Yes, it was a wonderful opportunity to look outside your own sort of intimate circle and do things a little bit differently. So how did you change or reorient or transform your own life at that time? It's a great question because... I work in legislation. I help my clients uh, 
interpret legislation and many provinces and in the United States, there's legislation about accessibility for people with disabilities. And cancer is considered, cancer treatment is considered to be a temporary disability. I had already helped numerous clients implement this system. So as I'm going through um, my own experience, I'm looking at that standard and I'm saying, this is where there's a gap for, especially for women, mm -hmm. uh, that their careers could be derailed by cancer. And we need to look at accommodation in the workplace or even in our own business processes. How do I take care of myself? Because women, like I just love how women behave. They, they pick up the, the loose ends and they keep on going regardless. And, uh, but it, there's the emotional part of this whole experience that starts to um, affect our resilience and affect our performance. So for me, I was able to, like many of my clients didn't even know I was going through cancer treatment because I didn't have the type of treatment where it was very physically, um, people could see it. So right. um, I was actually asked by the treatment center, like, you're an executive, right? And I said, yes. He said, then we're going to schedule all your treatment early in the morning so that you can get on with your day. So, okay. So there's an assumption that I'm going to work through treatment, right? right. A little bit of pressure, but yes, it was pressure on myself as well. So I was able to organize my work so that I um, didn't skip a beat with my clients. Physically, I was able to handle it. And I told my doctor, as it happened too, my treatment was near the end of the year and into the new year. So at near the end of the year, I said to my doctor, I said, yeah, I'm ready to go back full time, right? Uh, I can do this. And she said to me, I don't think so. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> Physically, you're good. She said, but think of the other things that this has right. done for you or right. to you. Right. And she said, you work in emotional intelligence, Patricia. Like, what would you be telling your client? Yeah. And so that's what I did. I drew up my own accommodation uh, plan, which was how I was going to conduct business over the next three months, like getting back into the swing of things, but with a focus on my emotional intelligence. So that was going to be a focus on optimism was a big one for big me. One for I sure. needed to be optimistic going forward. For sure. And also to trust that I was doing the best thing for me, and it's not that it's uh, that best thing for me is in a selfish way, but I have to identify what things would contribute to my ability to continue working and what things could put me flat on my back. Right. Or isolate myself, things like that. So, so how have you found, so here we are, you know, 10 years in, 15 years in post uh, treatment and you look fantastic and, you know, life is going well. Um, how ha do you reflect back on your plan for the future? Because I mean, we all start looking at sort of those 10 year blocks of time, right? Uh -huh. And I know that you mentioned in your story, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, people kept asking you, well, when are you going to retire? And, you know, clearly we retire when we feel that we no longer want to contribute or we find a different outlet for our interests. Yeah. So moving forward into the next sort of 10 year plan, where do you see Patricia in the next 10 years? Great question, Trish. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing now and maybe morph it uh, a little bit. Um, it's based on what I 
what I really find fulfilling, and that is about working with women in their businesses. So as long as I can do that physically and mentally, cognitively, I will continue doing that. Um, I will um, create new programs because things are changing mm -hmm. for women in business all the time. Right. So I'm very happy to take a look at what I've got from my past, what I can bring in to supporting um, some of the younger uh, women entrepreneurs and business owners, and even those who are in their 60s, that their plan is to have a business, no matter what it looks like right. in their 60s and 70s, but to help them uh, to um, to create create the life they always wanted. Now, not everybody wants to keep on working like right. in business. Some people want a nice um, balance of things that they can retreat to. Like I don't talk about retiring because retiring is about um, leaving everything in the past. And there's a lot of things. And what I mean by that is our work. Correct. So when we retire, we leave work behind. For many of us, work has provided a lot in our lives. Apart from money, okay, apart from our income, it has provided structure, is provided opportunities for professional development or self-development. And there's still those women that those things are very important to them. So for them just to leave the corporate job and have a package and retire, there's a honeymoon period of about 18 months to two years. And then they're looking, they're looking right. for something that's going to utilize their skills because this is a big part of it as well. Sure. We've learned so much in our careers that there are new generations that need the wisdom part, not necessarily the skills because they've got great skills, they're developing skills, but it's it's the, the wisdom that we can bring to that next generation and we continue to keep contributing. And I think that's what's important to many of us is that we want a way of contributing. You know, that's a really important point because one of the things that we do in the Share Your Story series, as you well know, is we have a mentorship program where there's, you know, you can go to the website, you can take a look at the tab mentor and you'll see a number of folks who are interested in having a virtual coffee with someone who may be just interested in saying, you know, I read your story, I've seen your interview, I really love the energy that you have. Can you tell me a little bit more about you? Mm -hmm. um, do you find that the mentorship piece that the clients that you're working with are being asked or the younger folks are seeking them out for about those leadership skills? Um, maybe not individually, but there are uh, programs uh, available for uh, women entrepreneurs or women who are looking to start a business that pull those mentors together, together. for yeah. them. Yeah. And I think that was something that we didn't have when we started our businesses. And I think it's become very well um, acknowledged that there's mentoring goes on both ways as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Symbiotic, so, right? Yeah. So sure. it's important for the well-being of all of us to really be able to, um, we're fortunate that we have these programs. And I think there's more talk about mentoring. And uh, I think it's something that we need to continue to to um, promote even sure. ourselves. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Now, one of the things that we do in the guest blog is we share three words of advice. Mm -hmm. And your three words are develop your self-trust. Mm -hmm. So give us an indication as to why those four words are important to you. I think it's so important now, like um, 
the challenges that we've had over the last couple of years, there's been so many opinions and so many, many narratives that I think some of us lose touch with our own wise counsel. And I mean, young people, people in their 50s, people in their 60s, we need to trust that we're doing the right thing for us. Um, and because we'll get a lot of people that try to persuade us another way. Yeah. So we have to build that trust in ourselves. And, um, you know, I have a mantra that I use from uh, something that my dad offered to me in his last couple of weeks of his life. And that is to take care of yourself. And he didn't mean it in a selfish way. He means like, this is our self-care that we have to um, bump up, right? And sure. it's not about manicures, haircuts and things about that. It's about our emotional self-care as well. It says, take care of yourself, do what's best for you. So that means that in any given moment, is this the best thing that I'm doing for myself? And then the last part is don't jeopardize what you've built for yourself. So I use that in nearly everything that I write. It's at the end of my blogs, everything, because it's so important to me that women in particular um, to so that they don't get pulled into the narrative that they hear outside that is going to be distraction for them. And they're going to internalize all the negative part and continue the stories. We need to start uh, looking at trusting ourselves to do what's best for us. You know, I think that's really wonderful advice, Patricia, because, you know, we cannot be our best self if we don't take care of ourselves first, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really wonderful way to leave our viewing and listening audience with that piece of advice. So thank you so much for joining me and joining us uh, in our podcast. And uh, certainly we will keep in touch and hopefully we will be able to meet again in the near future and continue the conversation to talk mm -hmm. about how things are changing. Maybe in another six to eight months, we can talk about the differences yeah. we've seen. So thank yeah. you, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Trish. To those who have joined us today, I'd like to thank you for tuning into this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduced you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find her contact information in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, visit our website at shareyourstories.online. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea.